It's time for your weekly update on all things tax. The Tax Factor from Blick Rothenberg. With Heather Sell and Rob Goodley. I'm Heather Self. Welcome to The Tax Factor, the weekly podcast from Blick Rothenberg. Each week, our team looks at the news and updates in the world of tax and provides some analysis of what it might mean for you and your business. Returning to The Tax Factor today is my colleague Rob Goodley, a partner at Blick Rothenberg. Welcome, Rob. Hello. We were talking last week about the Conservative Party conference, and this week it's been Labour's turn. What did you think of it, Rob? Well, not a lot to say on the tax side of things, Heather. So um, I think Labour reaffirmed a commitment to abolish the non-DOM regime, put VAT on private school fees, and do something else with the windfall tax on energy companies. But those are all things that have been said previously. They're not going to massively turn the dial in terms of the tax take for the country. The only new things I spotted, Heather, were a proposal to have a kind of a COVID fraud commissioner to try and get back some of the money that was defrauded from the government during the pandemic and a slightly increased rate for stamp duty land tax for overseas buyers on property in the UK. But again, quite minimal, really. And I think it's fair to say the focus was on the investment side of the ledger here rather than on the tax side. I think the COVID fraud commissioner is a good idea. I mean, the amounts lost to fraud are quite staggering. I think quite rightly, the measures that came in were brought in very quickly and it was always accepted that there would be some risk of fraud. But the sums, as I think the Public Accounts Committee have commented, are really quite huge. And thinking back probably 20 years or more. The government used to have an initiative called Spend to Save, where they gave HMRC more resources and they reckoned it brought in at least three times what they spent. It seems if we're going back to that, and I think that's a good thing. Although Rachel Reeves, the Shadow Chancellor, did say they were going to chase down every penny. You can never do that. There's always going to be some leakage. But I think broadly, that's a good direction of travel. As you say, where there was more focus from Rachel Reeves was on investment policy. And I think this was backed up by some of Keir Starmer's comments as well about building a lot more houses. Interesting that it's the Labour Party who are moving into spending on capital investment. I would have thought that was a more typical Conservative policy, but hey, they've just cancelled HS2, so they're clearly going in a different direction of travel or stopped altogether. But I think borrowing for investment is likely to be more acceptable to the markets than the unfunded tax cuts that we saw from Liz Truss's doomed mini-budget last year. And it's also interesting that Labour are explicitly saying they hope to get private investment in some of this infrastructure spending. Not without its challenges, I saw a report out from uh, Torsten Bell of the Resolution Foundation. Actually, I don't think it was a formal report. I think it was just his comments as the speech was going on. But he did make a really good point that higher investment in the long term is good for the economy. But in the short term, you've still got to find the money somewhere. And it also means a change in the composition of the economy. If we want lots and lots more construction workers, that may well mean that there are fewer people available to to work in pubs, etc. So that has quite wide implications for the economy. But broadly... I I think that's quite a a positive set of measures from Rachel Reeves. They just need to get elected now to bring them into force. Turning to a different topic, and I think we've mentioned tax avoidance once or twice in previous podcasts, there's been quite a lot of social media coverage of a particularly aggressive scheme aimed at landlords. What's that all about, Rob? Yeah, so there was actually an HMRC spotlight launched on this this week, Heather, which is a scheme that we've actually become aware of as a firm as well recently. It's very complicated. I'm definitely not going to go through it all here because it would take ages, but essentially it's so it's aimed at landlords, it involves a limited liability partnership, a company and a trust. It purports to give rise to amazing savings for at least income tax, inheritance tax, capital gains tax, I think stamp duty land tax as well. But when you get under the bonnet of it, none of those savings actually come to fruition. And actually, 
probably creates more tax than would be the case if the taxpayer had done nothing. Certainly when it comes to stamp duty land tax, as our, our partner Sean Randall has pointed out to us recently. So yeah, a very um, tasteful scheme, I would say, and, and, and very bad for taxpayers. And I think it got me thinking, Heather, and, we, and we've discussed this before, there's a lot of unsuspecting people that will be caught up in this. How do you, as a taxpayer, not get involved in things like this? I think kind of one of the, the warning signs of this is that the, you know, it's sort of too good to be true. All of the savings that the promoter said would would come about were really significant. And they were saying that it was all above board. Sort of for us rings alarm bells, but it's it's always hard to kind of guide people as to how they can pick these things out before they get involved. I think you're right, Rob. I think that the too good to be true is the first smell test. The other for me is that if an advisor can't explain it to you in ways that you understand, keep asking questions and if necessary, get a second independent opinion on it. Because really, even if it's a complicated tax structure, a good advisor should be able to get the bones of it across to any client. I just wanted to pick up on one point you said at the beginning there, Rob. You mentioned that this was now the subject of an HMRC spotlight. That's something that we're very familiar with. But just to clarify, where HMRC have made their mind up that a scheme really doesn't work, they list it and give it a number called a spotlight number. Unscrupulous advisors seem to try to sell things on the basis that HMRC have approved them. HMRC never approve schemes. And if they give it a spotlight number, that means they really think it doesn't work. So actually, there's some quite good warning pages on HMRC's website. If people are being offered something and they want to see what HMRC thinks of it, they'll never get a positive message, but they might get some clear warnings on it. There's another area where HMRC are getting very concerned about the level of avoidance, and that's research and development R&D claims. Of course, if you're doing genuine R&D, you're developing a new type of engine that runs on sunflower oil or something, then anything which is really creating technical or scientific advances gets some very generous tax allowances. But again, what's happening is I think some unscrupulous advisors are piling in and suggesting that you can get R&D relief on all sorts of things. The worst one I saw was a client of mine who runs a restaurant and someone tried to tell them they could get R&D relief on their new recipes, which they certainly won't. Is that something you're seeing in practice as well, Rob? I think I might be able to beat your example, actually, Heather. I had a client who worked in um, in care, so care in the home, and they were contacted by one of these advisors saying that they can make an R&D claim. Thankfully, my client called me and said, what do you think of this? And I, I told him exactly what I thought of it. But sadly, this has been rife over recent years. HMRC, I think, are now alive to this. But the other concerning thing I've seen over the years is advisors charging contingent fees on a success basis, with the success being that the cash hits your bank account on the claim. So then you get the money back from HMRC, you pay the advisor, and then HMRC come back to you and say, actually, we don't think that claim was correct. And you now need to have an argument with HMRC and get your money back from the advisor. So sadly, there's some real war stories there. I think the other sad thing is that HMRC quite rightly trying to clamp down on avoidance. They're also making it harder for genuine claims to get through. So it's taking longer for companies, perhaps in the early stage of a tech startup, it's getting harder for them to get their money as well, which it's always difficult to get the balance right. Yeah. And I've seen a number of instances of that recently, Heather, as I'm sure you have, that genuine claims are really getting knocked back. And these are clients who don't have the resources to be able to fight HMRC, even when they're making genuine claims. So it's um, it's really difficult for the revenue because obviously they need to tackle these claims, which are completely spurious. But we also need to support those companies who are doing the right thing. Turning to another topic, carried interest. This is not avoidance. It's really just about the way that venture capital and private equity firms do business. Rob, do you want to just talk a bit about what it is and, and why it's been so important to that industry for such a long time? Very briefly, how private equity works is the private equity exec- executives go out to a load of investors and raise a lot of money. That then goes into a fund which is in the form of a limited partnership. That fund then deploys that cash in buying up loads of companies 
companies with a view to selling them at a profit in the future. And effectively, the private equity executives get a, a slice of that profit if the fund does particularly well. That interest, if you like, of the executives, that slice of the profit is known as their carried interest. Now, it has always been the case and always understood in the industry that that is taxed as a capital gain. There is a special rate of 28% for that now, which is which is higher than the usual rate that applies now of, of 20%, but a capital gain and not earned income. I guess if you like the development recently is that an organization called the Good Law Project have effectively written to the HMRC and said, we understand this is practice, but we don't actually think it's correct in law. And HMRC have responded to say, we don't agree with you. We think we're doing the right thing. It is a capital gain. It's not income for the private equity executives. This is going to rumble on because I think there's a, a, a degree of um, interpretation in how the, how the law is applied. So the law either needs to be clarified on this point or government and HMRC need to come out with a clear statement of what they what they intend to happen. Either that or perhaps uh, the next government will tax capital gains at the same rate as income anyway and the whole issue will disappear at that particular black hole. Perhaps. As we've been saying for a few weeks now, there's a definite pre-election feel to the tax news at present, although the election itself might still be a year or more away. I'd just like to point out that if Labour do get elected, then it's likely that Rachel Rees will be the first woman Chancellor of the Exchequer in 700 years. Unless, of course, the Conservatives have a few more changes of Chancellor before then. My thanks to Rob for joining me on The Tax Factor this week. We also want to hear from you. If you visit The Tax Factor page on our website, you'll find a form to contact us. Let us know the stories and topics that you'd like to cover. We record the podcast on a Wednesday, so you can message us right up to the time we record. I'm sorry, but we can't give individual advice or responses to messages. You can hear all the previous episodes of The Tax Factor on the Blick Rothenberg website, and we release a new episode every Friday on all the popular podcast platforms. That's all for this week. Next week, Nimesh will be in the host chair with another new voice to the tax factor, Rohanna Earle. So I'm looking forward to being a listener for a change and listening to see what they have to say. I'm Heather Self. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of The Tax Factor. Find all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not try Brave Business, our podcast series for entrepreneurs. Find it wherever you get The Tax Factor or on the Blick Rothenberg website. The Tax Factor.